It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Chelsea Podcast. It's me, Andy Saunders, in the absence of Phil Daniels, who swapped places with me in Norfolk, and Kerry Levy, who can't be asked to come down today. So in his and their place, I have two fantastic guests, regulars on the podcast. Uh, to my right, Mr. Gary Hayes, uh, writer Hi. for Bleacher Report on Chelsea and uh, other publications, uh, who's going to tell us about his hellish journey down to Swansea, <laughs> and uh, Rick Glanville. Um, official Chelsea historian Evening all And uh, author and uh, polymath uh, generally um, So Rick you were just As we were um, warming up As we were stretching our <laughs> hamstrings For this podcast You told us a very interesting story About the uh, under 19s and, uh, uh, and the potential for them to maybe in the Champions League Do you want to elucidate for the listeners? Well it's not clear at the moment What the, the full uh, criteria are For entry to next season's UEFA Youth League Chelsea's under-19s are the holders, and um, in the Champions League nowadays, the holders automatically qualify for the following season's tournament. But it's a bit muddy uh, with UEFA, with the UEFA Youth League, because it says something like, if there are spare places, like normally what happens is that 32 of the teams come from the Champions League qualifiers. We're not going to qualify for the Champions League, so we won't be one of them. Then there's 32 teams who win their youth league um, I'm not quite sure what level uh, in their respective nation and uh, we could do that but we might not so um, and if but obviously some teams will duplicate some teams will their, their kids will win the league and they'll be in the Champions League so that frees up a space and it says the criteria are to be set by UEFA committee <laughs> as to who these spaces are filled by so it could be that they decide Chelsea are a big club. We want them. We want like, the best kids in Europe, Chelsea's kids, to be playing in there. That's a, so clearly men- it's a mental idea, Rick. 
But the point is, they would be contesting their equivalent of the Champions League, right. and we will not even be in the senior team. We'll not even be in Europe, possibly. There you go. Frighteningly... If it's decided by a UEFA committee, I'll say that they'll go, no. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I Barcelona's well, I was doing some work with Bayern UEFA Munich's once. Youth team. Yeah. I, was, I was doing some work with UEFA once, and one of the guys there said, oh, what team do you support? And I said, Chelsea. And he went, shh, keep it down. I said, what do you mean? He goes, no, seriously, he goes, that's not good politics around here. I was like... Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. unbelievable. So how do they pay you? Do they just give you a brown paper oh, bag with loads of cash yeah, in it? Yeah, exactly. It was uh, Platini just drove up in his car and dropped it off. What happened no. when your blue is the colour ringtone went off? Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing for you over? Do some copyright? M16s Yeah, I, I was doing the, uh, some Super Cup stuff. Right. And uh, yeah, someone just said to me, yeah, it's not good, not good politics to be a fan of Chelsea in neon. I like, I like the We are a big, you know, come on, we're... Could win it two seasons running. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they would have to make an allowance personally. But. There you go. Well, I'm glad that we've killed three minutes already because this is going to be a tough half an hour to fill given the, the, the quality <laughs> of the football on display. Let's get straight into the Swansea game on Saturday, played at three o'clock at the Liberty Stadium. Can we talk about Gary's journey first? Well, we're going to. More we're certainly definitely oh, going to do that. So we'll, as, as part of our Swansea narrative... Um, we will we'll start with Gary's journey because the previous week I'd had a nightmare journey up to Aston Villa. The M1 had been blocked. Oh, yeah. um, and I thought I'll be very clever and go on the A5 uh, without thinking that, of course, everybody from the M1 is going to go on the A5. Right. If you're listening in Nigeria, then you'll have no idea what the M1 and the A5 are, but they are roads that basically run parallel to each other on the way up to the Midlands. And I got stuck at Dunstable for about two hours and turned back. And oh, you had a, um, you had a, a similar uh, tale of woe, but you actually made it to the stadium. Which, yeah. is, which is a happy ending of sorts. Well, so things happen in threes, don't they? So there were two accidents on the M4, and then I got to Liberty Stadium. There was an accident there as well, basically. So I got there at half-time. Um, During the game? Yeah. There was, a, there was one big accident. Yeah, but... exactly. Uh, so, yeah, were you, were you in the press box? Did you see him come stumbling in with no, his coffee? I didn't coffee? see him at all, no. Right. I came in with my can of Gordons, singing Chelsea <laughs> songs. <laughs> yeah, Rick, Rick, Rick is sitting here with a can of, of, of Gordons gin and tonic. Hello. <laughs> well, so I can't work out it's kind of homeless or posh or somewhere, somewhere between the two. Posh <laughs> homeless. <laughs> a man, you've fallen on hard times. Oh, I just, I just, You're a gentleman of the road. No, it's just that I've just published my, uh, my tax return and I've realised I've got loads of offshore bank accounts. That's all. Hey, there you go. Did you publish it publicly? Can we have a look Make at it? Give a resume of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, so it was a bad journey and a, a worse half of football. And then I, what I did is because... Um, I was trying to write some reflection on it. I um, had a friend in the media who gave me the first half, and I sat through that when I got home after the boxing, so I could write some stuff about Pato. So that it was just a <laughs> it was just a bad day all round. Really, hey, the boxing was good though, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I drove five hundred miles for forty-five minutes of football, and then I got back and paid seventeen quid for five minutes of boxing. <laughs> so I got in right just as the ring walk was starting, and I sat down and I was like, oh, "I need to unwind. I'm going to buy the boxing late." And I watched it, and it was over. And then I sat through 45 minutes of Pato. <laughs> Good undercard, so, though. Yeah. But, um, Rick, worst journey to a game ever. Can you, have you got one? Oh, actually, I think it was to... Uh, funnily enough, you live in St Albans, don't you? I do. It Royal was Hertfordshire. Going, it was Coventry. <laughs> Guess which Coventry game. Mm. Um, first game of the season, and Neil Barnett was driving, and we were going through... We had to pick someone up in... St. St Albans, one of our mates, and the traffic was just horrendous. It is horrific, yeah. It was just unbelievable. We, it took us about an hour and three quarters to get out of St Albans, and yeah. we were early, so we missed the kickoff. We yeah. arrived, 
stumbled in there, sat down, look up with the scoreboard, Coventry 2, Chelsea 0. Yeah. And Coventry's easy. Coventry's like an hour. Yeah. You know, from sort of... Hull on the way back was bad once. Mm. I'm trying to think when that was. That would have been about probably seven years ago. Evening game. We won in a cup, I think. And there was a, it's, we came out of, this, came out of uh, this stadium and it said, uh, all routes south, and it said diversion. Oof. Right. And then we sort of headed off. And the next diversion sign we saw was about 50 miles away. We were just get, there was this weird moment. And it was completely dark down these tiny sort of north-east Yorkshire lanes. And, it was, and no other cars anywhere near us. Just, just headlights you would see occasionally. And then there was this weird moment where we came to this sort of crossroads and two cars came from opposite directions ahead of us. We stopped, they all stopped, and everyone looked at each other and said, what the hell's going on? The Mexican standard. So we ended up, um, oh, well, God, We had something similar hours. in September, didn't we, after the Newcastle oh, game? Yeah, there was the did. diversion there, and we ended up going past Darlington Stadium, and then <laughs> Paul Mason, the Chelsea website, it was like, oh, I remember this club, and he was giving us a tour of the northeast clubs that he used to visit when he was a, a manager a of a rock band. Yeah, he was yeah. a roadie, yeah. I think the worst one I had was coming back from Moscow in the Champions League final, when we all got to the airport, and they went, yeah, just get on that plane. It's like, well, where's that plane going? Just get on it. And people were ending up in Gatwick, and their car was at Luton, and <laughs> it was like, oh, I've got separated from my mate, and my mate ended up at Stansted. Were you at Stockholm after the uh, At the, the Rosunda Stadium, yeah. yeah where there were, that was unbelievable. Oh, though. I'll tell you a brilliant story the, about that. The, right? so, oh, go on, go ahead. Oh, well, I'll tell you, because I went over there with, uh, dropping names here, because obviously, as you know, I'm a music industry venture, I went yeah. over with Damon Albarn from Blur, yeah. who's a Chelsea fan. Yeah. So me and Damon and Phil, and uh, Kerry uh, yeah. went over to, to that game, a fantastic game at the Rosunda Stadium. And, uh, and afterwards, we, we stayed the night. And uh, we all got very, very, very drunk. <laughs> um, right. Because Damon's record company had sorted out a, you know, a casino for us to play in. And so oh. and Kerry was at the blackjack table winning loads of money. We were all getting very drunk. I'd fallen off the wagon. I had a drink for two years before that. I'd fell off the wagon. I said, I'll have a glass of champagne. if And, Chelsea you. and then I was off the wagon. Oh. And the next morning... Um, we went to get our flight, and Damon said, oh, I can't, I can't, um, you know, I can't be bothered with this. I'm going to get a late one. I'm rich enough. I'll just buy a flight. <laughs> so we, we, got, we, got to the, we got to the airport, and we all went home. And we heard later that Damon had rocked up about five or six hours later, going, yeah, Damon all bombed from a pop band. And they went, yeah, you're getting on this plane with all the people that we arrested last night, essentially, that have been in cells. <laughs> so he got on the, on the plane with all the lads, and they're all flicking his hat off and flicking his ears Brilliant. and all this kind of stuff. And he got back to... Um, got back to, uh, to the car park and gone to, to get his Mercedes out of the car park and somebody nicked his keys and they were like these computer no. keys that you can't get a car. Oh so he had to put his Mercedes on a low loader which cost him it was an absolute disaster <laughs> like he was Damon Albarn like he was it. Damon Albarn and he was rich yeah. enough to, uh, yeah, to exactly. get the low loader yeah, exactly <laughs> but um, yeah that was a pretty bad journey but I got back from but what was your did you have a bad experience I know it was pretty... just, really just there were, staying the night you missed all this but the coat there were just you know, it was, it was supposedly the biggest airlift since, well, since the Berlin airlift, uh, Chelsea fans yes. going over to Do you remember the piece of paper Stockholm. they gave us? Welcome to Stockholm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you mess about, we will kill you. Who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said that? The police? Yeah, the they gave, gave, you a bit was, of, gave you a bit of paper on, the, on the tarmac, didn't when, they? When we arrived, well, yeah, when you arrived or, 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 in, at Stockholm, you had to walk through this double-decker bus. Do you That's remember? Right, I do. Where there was I a do. security check. And um, on, the, on the actual sort of, you know, you'd get off the plane and there wasn't a, a bus to take you... To, Anyway, you just walked across the tarmac, walked through this double-decker bus like some sort of cleansing uh, thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then um, went your merry way. We went to, I think it was called the Queen Victoria, in, uh, and there we stayed. Right. But uh, on the way back, 
all these coaches that uh, had taken you from... Because they laid on tons of coaches from the city centre to the stadium. On the way back, they said, we'll take you... To get in the same coach, we'll take you to the airport. Dozens and dozens of them not moving for an hour. And everyone started to walk uh, the miles that there were to the, to the actual uh, airport. When you got to the airport, it was like the retreat from Vietnam or something. It was bonkers. Last, last airlift yes, out of Saigon. It was. It was no, no one knew... No, you know, you, did, you had a boarding pass or you had a ticket. It didn't mean anything. Just get on the plane. So the yeah. weird thing was, I thought, oh, me and my mate Giles, um, I said stuff this for a game of soldiers I'm going to work out who's in charge here so I looked around for any kind of official that wasn't being berated and I I thought I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to have a look for an administration person and I so I went found this door went downstairs and there was this tiny little office in the airport and knocked on the door and this very helpful woman she had all these uh, screens in front of her and I said really sorry to bother you, but I need to get back to London with my friend. And there's no information on the boards at all, and there's nothing going on, and no-one knows what lane, and it's complete chaos. And she said, well, there's a, there's a, a, a flight taking off in uh, five minutes from gate number, da-da-da, whatever it was. And she said, I suggest you go up there now and tell your friend and just get on it. And so I ran upstairs, grabbed Giles and said, I don't care what those balls are saying, what anything else, I've just been told this flight's going, and we... We ran there and just barged our way through, got on it, and there were about 15 people on the plane. There you go. It was just bonkers. Where, where did you end up? Oh, no, where we wanted to start, oh, right. I think it was. Oh, right. it wasn't well, one you ended up in, like, Turin Gambia, or something like that. Well, Gambia would have been nice, actually, but, uh, no, it, it, it was just the weirdness of just the lack of communication and then just to happen to find this woman, and she just she was the person that knew, in, you know, initial caps, and then those, big, those big nights. I mean, we shared a room, didn't we, at the Europa League final in that lovely yeah, hotel, yeah. In that lovely hotel oh, in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Think, we, I wake... think I still owe you 20 quid or something oh. for the security. Did anyone wake up with their hand between two pillows or anything like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those were two pillows. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'll tell you what, I, did, I didn't get much sleep. No, because he, no, he, he does snore this boy. <laughs> I mean, no wonder he's buying his wife a Tiffany present for, his, for her birthday. Because if, if she has to put up with that. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Can we just scrub that last 15 <laughs> seconds? It's, it's not going out live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, no, some horrific, some horrific, I'm sure you've had some, some horrific journeys as well, but should we talk about the football? So, so um, Swansea v Chelsea on Saturday, Pato was handed his first start by Gers, both Loftus-Cheek and Matt Miazga retained their places in the side following the 4-0 win over Aston Villa. Asmi Begovic was given the nod in goal ahead of Thibaut Courtois. Uh, so the team uh, didn't have John Terry, Gary Cahill, Eden Hazard, Nemanja yeah. Matic, Loic Remy. They were all out injured. William was rested. Diego Costa was serving the last of his three-game suspension. A couple of youngsters on the bench, Oleano, Casey Palmer, Charlie Colkett, all on the bench, which was nice to see. We didn't see them, but they were on the bench. Um, so the team was Begovic, Aspilicueta, Mayazga, Ivanovic, Baba, Mikel, Fabregas, Pedro Loftus-Cheek and Oscar, and then Pato. Um, and then people were surprised that we lost. <laughs> mm. Well put. <laughs> I can't, I can't I better that. From what I from what I saw live with Pato, he really struggled. Didn't really have any presence. And then when I watched back his first half, I thought he was just really poor around. I've come in for a lot of criticism for saying it, but I just think that a player like him needs to show that he's going to be an upgrade in what we've got. And I know it's only one of the big games, but I think the last few years shows that he's not going to be. And I think that game just shows that he's going to really struggle to adapt to the Premier League, and he isn't. Uh, he hasn't got enough presence in front of goal to, to add something to that team that we need. But that's, that's why 
managers haven't been playing him as a striker. They've been playing him as a wide attacking forward. And I, I was puzzled why he, he was playing in that position, to be honest. I didn't think that... I thought Bertrand Traore would have been yeah. a better option uh, with pace against their, their back line. Because Ashley Williams has been given the runaround by a quick, you know, nippy Pato seemed players. to be a bit weary of Williams. I don't know whether it's his size or a reputation that he thinks he's got or whatever, but he just didn't really want to get near him as well. And, you, you know, you make the point about him playing not as the striker. I just think that you look at the players that we've got, even the players that have underperformed this season, I don't think Pato's any better than them either. So it's a bizarre one. Let me ask you this. It's... Um... It's interesting, you know, you get a lot of calls, particularly on social media, of Chelsea fans saying, play the kids, give the squad players a chance, there's nothing left to play for. You know, you might there as well was, go, though. You might this as well, is the fallacy. Well, I'm going to come on to that, I agree with you. You know, and I, I, you know the, the, this idea that, you know, we've only got six games left, let's experiment, let's give people a quote. And then, they're surprised that we lose. <laughs> and I don't think that you can have it both ways. If you want no. to win, play your best team. If you want to at least gamble with losing play an experimental squad. And where do you guys stand on individual player blaming? Because, you know, certain players got absolute pelters after that. Now, we know Matt Miazga looked out of his depth. He looked like he was, you know, very raw, got, got you know, hooked at half-time. But I thought he was... I thought he was absolutely castigated on social media. And I'm like, Which is this is what we do now as a club? Do we just, like, give players two games, three games, well, and then write them off? I think it's what social media yeah. does. I think, I think you're it's right. It's that I, instantaneousness I, of... Uh, and the, the kind of blamelessness of, uh, of uh, that kind of culture that, well I, well, I can say what I want. Social media allows me to have a platform that I wouldn't normally have and yeah. I'll just say whatever I fancy. It, it seems to remove an intellectual filter. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, it, it, exactly. It allows people just vent. Well, and, they know, vent yeah. and it just it becomes emotional diarrhoea. And yeah. I think that, you know, that people just... I put some player ratings... I mean, I just, for, just for a laugh, put some player ratings up. <laughs> you know, which is always... You know you're going to get absolutely... For, oh, Jimmy, what are you giving Oscar six for? He's, he's a one. Even the, like, even the people that are paid to them don't spend any time doing them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you put them up and then, and then you, have a, you try and have a rational conversation with someone and go one really one you'd give him one and it's like <laughs> well he's done nothing hold on a minute Andy who did you give one to yeah do you know what I mean it's no, like he, no who did you give one I to I didn't give one to anybody oh, like, but I gave, I gave Oscar six because I thought actually when he, when he went deeper I thought he, he looked okay he was actually well know. I just didn't uh, sorry I just didn't understand that formation at all well I, I didn't but I, you know. I could see that we were struggling to deal with Montero we had to double up and uh, and there was an issue with um, how easy they were finding it to, to come through our midfield. And yeah, because Dunwoody not coming back, well coming back and... for his first game forever after he destroyed us earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah. In, but... in, in the second half, they're talking about Oscar and the formation being strange, is that there were times when he was the deepest player in the team. Yes. He was sitting deeper well, than yeah. Mikel and Ivanovic. Which I think yeah. shows that he doesn't really understand that role. It's not, uh, it's not like you are always the deepest player. It's... Uh, if you understand that position, some, sometimes you come forward, sometimes you stay yeah. back. You know, you use your head and you understand the defensive role that you're performing, which he doesn't. To take Mikel out of there, I didn't. All it did was made us retreat 20 yards uh-huh. or 30 yeah. yards. Well, I think what it also illustrated that what we absolutely need is an aggressive ball winning box to box midfielder in yeah. there, you know, which we well, don't we've have. We've known that, haven't we, Andy? We've yeah. known that for well, two we years. have. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there's still people that we need, we need more flair players, you know, we, you know and, and I just think that we need, a, we need to get a Nangalan, we need to get a Kante, we need to get a player like that who's going to just bulldog around that midfield and, well, and win the ball. Bulldog is, is a good word. I think the lack of physical presence was palpable again 
yeah. uh, at, the, at the weekend. And we've all the talked about... The number of times we lose 50-50s oh, just through, yeah. the, you know, not being strong enough. It drives or, me insane the amount of time we give the ball away or, or not win the ball, you know. And mm. it drives me insane. It's my big bugbear this season that I'd love to see that stat of how often we concede possession because, you know, I think that's, that's Matic falling off a cliff, isn't yeah. it? Because last season, you know, he was monstering that midfield. Also winning as the well, ball. though, like the goal that um, Sigurdsson scored... The amount of times that that area of the box, oh. Chelsea players are never there. No. They seem to all drop deep in a line and then yeah. the, the ball's clear. Because Miazga That's been got, years. It's, it's, Miazga, been, it's, but, been a, it's been a... That area has been a weakness now for... Yes. Well, three or four years, yeah, I would but say. Miazga got, got criticised for his header and you know, even in the press it box, some journalists were saying, but, oh, but he headed the ball in the exact place you're told not to. But... I think just watching that goal again, I think Ivanovic is at fault because he doesn't give him a call because Ivanovic is better to head it clear because he's leaning back trying to flick it. And midfielders have dropped to sit in line with no, the central that's, defenders. That's the, key, that's the key, Gary, for me. Who, who's, that they, who's picking up that they space? They panic and go too deep. So yeah. we end up with a line of six where no one picks up the people who are having the shot from the edge of the box. Yeah, because we don't have anybody, as you quite rightly said, understand that position. Mm. Now, I thought, you know, looking at uh, N'Golo Kante for Leicester... I what thought a player he was he unbelievable. Is. You know, he was in the right place every time he won the ball. Not through his physicality, because he's little. No, you know, through intuition. just being in the right place. You've either and got it, he, or you understand yeah, it, or you don't. Makaleli yeah. had it. He wasn't the biggest player. You know, and we know Makaleli had the, the, the role named after him. But he's the closest I've seen to Makaleli. Mm. You know, Nangalan I like a lot as well from Roma, because he's, he's slightly more aggressive in his mm. play. Yeah. Um, but what they understand is that you don't, sit, drive, you don't yeah. sit on the, on the back four. No. You sit in front yeah. of the back four, and you protect it, and you yeah. shield it. Yeah. Um, and you're quite right about Oscar is that he was asked to do that role and he didn't understand it and, he, and nor should he understand it it's not mm. his role he's a number mm. 10 mm. and the problem with Oscar I think the people forget is we don't play him as a number 10 he's a number 10 we play him out on the wing we play him in a fluid front three but, if you're going to play him properly play him as a 10 that's the managers that have done that though Andy yeah I know and they watch him in training you know they, it, it's not but am I it's wrong it's not a directive that he doesn't play number 10 it's that they, a succession of managers have felt that he wasn't the strongest candidate to play there what do you think? I think he, I, I actually think that he could play in that deeper deeper role. Yeah, I do. But as long as he had someone alongside him, like a Mikel or a Matic, on who was on form yeah. and doing the kind of dog job, yeah, um, you know, being the physical presence, I think he could do what Fabregas does, which is that sort of quarterback, uh, quarterback, yeah, yeah. And, and and a bit more fluid going forward and backwards. I don't what want... he can't be is the an... he's not a midfield anchor. No, listen, no. I don't want to be an apologist for Oscar because I think he's had some dreadful games this season, and I think that you know that there are issues and challenges with Oscar. But I think he's another classic example of playing a player out of position. Yeah, yeah. Um, because if you look at the job he does for Brazil, it's very different. You know, he links the play brilliantly for Brazil. The only thing I'd um, say they about play him... a different formation as well. Well, though. they do, but, but that's playing him in his position. Yeah. yeah. One thing I'd say about him is that you talk about him being a number ten, and Jose made this big deal of him you know when he first came in saying about you know Matter needs to do what he's doing etc but I don't think he's creative enough, creative enough to sit in that area anyway you know you say no. about successive managers they've probably spotted that and you need you know a little bit more flair in there and not to hark back to someone like Matter, but he was that ideal number 10 for us not only did he assist players he scored goals he found himself in space to score goals and you know um, fit, put, put, uh, put players through 
And I think Oscar hasn't got that in his game. I think yeah, he's... We'll talk about Matter. I mean, how dreadful was Matter at the weekend? But he's playing out on the right. He was playing on the right. It doesn't, right ma- doesn't matter. Does. But oh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, to coin a pun, because, <laughs> because ultimately, when the, tough, when, the, when, you know, when the going gets tough, Matter goes missing. You know, he goes utterly missing. And, you know, he does not give you anything the beyond, t- the, beyond the flesh. It's true, but the number 10 role is the only one where you don't have any defensive duties. Yeah. You're pressing, uh, you, you know... You, uh, Occasionally, you're pressing the defenders and the midfielders and things, but you're not. You're not. It's Your the only part where you're, you're not check, tracking back or anything like that. So it was a role that Matter could do, and he wouldn't notice those fallibilities. I think the problem with Oscar, two things actually, with him playing in that number ten role, he's not two footed. He's very one footed. Yeah, a good number out, yeah. ten can go either way, yeah, and that's out. where you get that flexibility in that position. And the other thing is numbers. If you talk to anyone, any coach in football and they talk about the number 10 role it is purely a numbers game it's like saying putting your hand up and saying I take the penalties if you don't score the goals if you don't get the assists you're not a number 10 it's as okay, simple so as that so who's our number 10 then because Hazard's got no premiership you goals tell me. you know Williams only got seven all of those are from direct free kicks well you could argue that um, actually um, although I'm you know uh, it's early days Loftus-Cheek is the one that has been getting the, the numbers yeah, in that I, I position don't think he's, I don't but think I don't, I'm not enough. sure no, I agree, but what I'm saying is that's... So we're saying we don't really have a number 10? No, not now, not at the moment. Not we, we sold our number 10 two years ago. You, so, so you would have Matter back with you? Only because I've, I mean, love with him. I <laughs> <laughs> no, admire no, your but honesty. But seriously, he, he's the one player that, um, I'm not putting him on the level of him, but he's the one player that I've seen at Chelsea since Zola that technically had it. Do you he not he think, had that ability to get out of space. and. Eden Hazard could... He could do that, but there's something, there's something that doesn't quite work when he plays there. And I don't know what it is, whether he, his game, he feels that his game isn't suited to it, whether he's happier coming, coming in, you know, cutting in from wide or, it's or whatever. It's something... it he, he likes to get players that are exposed and he likes to use his pace against them and that's short. You know. Exactly. It's a three, really, it's a number 10 role. A, you've got three yards to make a difference, haven't yeah. you? Whereas he's more of a kind of rangier run and a weaving run. Yeah, and... like I say, cutting in, whereas Matter, that's why the only reason I'm comparing him to Zola is not in stature, but just in terms of his ability in those closed spaces mm. that he was able to get the ball in you know, small areas and actually do something with it. Whereas... I think, I think... I could th- do that, you know. And also, so I've got to say, first 10 minutes on Saturday, we could have been two or three up. We yeah. had a couple of chances. And what a different game that would have been. But after that 10 minutes, they just sort of started to come at talk us. about Pato. I mean, Pato got himself in the right places. He just couldn't hit the bloody target. Yeah, I mean, there was that know. one like, yeah. right, on, right on the stroke of half-time yeah. where he just that curl he seemed one, yeah. to, he didn't want to put his foot through it. And yeah, yeah. the ball bounced down and Oscar had got in the box and he just seemed scared to shoot and he kind of placed it wide. And then... I think it was Pedro putting through in the second half, and rather than again putting his foot through, he tried th- that flick. Do you think it was because of the physical challenge that was put? Because it was a, quite a robust challenge, I think, on him, wasn't it? That, mm. that would have meant that he might have yeah. hurt himself when he put his foot through. It. I think yeah, that, that, that I physicality is, it comes back to matter as well. Is I actually think matter is bulliable. I think oh, if definitely. You, you put a man on matter and you kick him off the pitch. The thing about Zola is couldn't kick Zola off. the yeah, pitch. Yeah, sure. That, you know, he had a supernatural the, ability to get away from. I'm not, people. I'm not comparing him in the same class as, as Zola because that's yeah. that's very difficult. But I think that more often than not, matter actually did it when, when it mattered. 
Yeah, I've always said it. about matter is that we, you know, <laughs> we and we laud we laud matter, and you know, so well, he was player of the season, all that kind of stuff. But he was player of the season, a really bad team. Mm. And you know, I think that that threw into sharp relief his ability. Um, and I think in, that, in put, that put though, matter in a really good team. I don't think that he shines to that level. I, I think you're I saying think that you're right. though is that the fact that he did it in a in a team that was struggling, I think, just speaks volumes for him as a player in that he was. He was able to do it, you know, in, in, even in big moments. That you, you say he can get bullied at times, but in big moments in those two seasons, that he would produce something. Even the, you know, um, Drogba's header in the Champions League final. Who, who's whipping the ball in from the corner? Matter. What else did he do in that game? Oh, well, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to say, oh, he did the, yeah. Okay, but fair enough. But Sorry, that was a trick question. Yeah, no, no but, but the thing is, he took a corner. You know, that was brilliant, but he did nothing else in that game. But I, I, think, I think the point... <laughs> we had about 15 the, corners on but Saturday, the point is, though, none of them were any good. The point is that he actually, he actually produced something when, it, when he needed to produce it. Well, I would argue that Drogba produced it. <laughs> yeah, but the, the ball put in. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Gary. I'm being, I'm being facetious. I know what you're saying. Listen, I'm not down on matter. I just think that... I think people... It's, it's easy to go, oh, we should have you know, kept Schurler and we should have kept matter. And I, know, I know you're I'm not saying that, but I'm yeah. saying some people do, no, and, and with rose-tinted rose spectacles. And there was a reason why some of those players left. And Matter, I think, I was at the time, I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But looking at the performances that he's put in for Manchester United um, since, I think that on Sunday, I looked at him on Sunday, yes, all right, so maybe he's playing out of position. But man, he does not fancy it. No. He doesn't fancy it. I think it. the issue is no, that, For good um, or for bad, that is what you get with one Matter. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, he hasn't changed, he hasn't changed as a player just by going to Manchester United. You know if you play for Jose Mourinho, you've got to be a soldier. Yeah, you've got sure. to go and just, you know, basically just, you just be a soldier. That's why SCM was the perfect To be honest, most Mourinho managers. Play. Yeah, but particularly when Mourinho is like, Joe Cole, don't care Fonte about your flair. will be the don't, same. Don't care about your flair, want you to track, you know, and this is why these players struggle under Mourinho. I, th- I think the issue is, is that it's not so much harking back to, oh, we need Matter back or we need this player back. I think it's the case of, we sold them at a time that was right for us, and you look at the money that was invested for Matter, yes. yeah. you know, which went a long way into. You know, so we got thirty-eight million for Matter, was that right? Yeah, so and we signed that. That, and if you look at it in terms of players, we signed immediately after. We signed Mat- uh, Matic and uh, <laughs> Zuma. You know, and I, I just think that the issue is, is that how we replace them in their position, which yeah. we haven't. That, that's the issue, is yeah. that? And then is you go the, back to it. Uh, is the replacement? You're absolutely it, right. It's, not it's the, the quality of the, the void. The void yeah. that's left. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and that, yeah. that's the point. If you know, just going back to to Pato, I wasn't blaming him for Chelsea's defeat or anything like that in, my, in what I've wrote, written about him in that, uh, you know, subsequently to Swansea. But it's a case of that he isn't an upgrade on anything that Chelsea have got, so why bring him in? They, they need to be, you know, was it, wasn't, the bar he, wasn't he not just a, a sort of a stopgap third, third striker? Wasn't ever going to be an yeah, upgrade? Yeah, sure, but the, the point is now is that you look at it and you think, okay, well, if Chelsea brought him in on loan, there was a reason for bringing him in. Why, why else bring a player in like that? And there's an idea that they're going to be, you know, looking to sign him, maybe if he produces, and he just didn't look like a player that, one, again, like I said earlier, had any presence, and two, was really up for it. You know, well, talking about you're, you're playing didn't for any... a contract, you know, you're yeah. here temporarily, this is your shot back in Europe again, and this is what you give us. But I, th- I think what, you was, uh, what we've all been saying about playing players in a position that they're accustomed to, or that they thrive in, is really apposite there, because I don't think, I think if he'd have been playing on the left, well, who was playing? A Pedro, wasn't it? I yeah. Yep. And Pedro is another one that, unfortunately, his physique, it's very difficult to be that small in the Premier League in, a, in that combative role that he has to play. People just lean over him and, and ease him off the ball. It's, it, you know, he's got, to, he's yeah. got to find a way to, to, to get around that. If Pato had been playing there, we don't know whether that would have been, made any difference. If Bertrand Torreira had been playing through the middle so that you had a bit more of a physical yeah. uh, presence and pace and things, you know, we, maybe that would have... Uh, of uh, changed things around. It's interesting how the Premier League work players out. I mean, Riyad Mahrez hasn't had 
a great last three or four games because players have kind of worked him out. You know, and he's, he's coming fed, deeper, isn't he? He, he hasn't got a that. huge amount of pace. No. He's not got a lot of upper body strength. He does the so same you just, tricks. You do the same thing. You know, yeah. just show him the outside and ease him off the ball. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's really marked that the Premier League works players out. And yeah. if you do the same thing, and I think in some ways it worked Hazard out in, mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, that, that sort of, um, that's, that sort of uh, supercharged thing that he does where he's running at one pace and then two pace. People have worked that out. They just mm-hmm. sit a bit But deeper. as well, though, for him, I think to be fair to him, he's got so much criticism this year, but I think that hip injury... Well, yeah, we, we don't know, do we, whether, how, how much that's affected yeah, him, yeah, both well, physically I, I and I think it's affected him a lot in the fact that, you know, there has been, uh, in inverted commas, nothing to play for, and he hasn't been playing. I think that, you know, you see the fact that he's being rested, they're trying to get him back fit properly because they don't need to play him anymore. Yeah. But I wonder how much, I, I've said it before on this podcast, I wonder how much, uh, and it's an intangible thing, what an effect the international tournaments this summer have on players. Yeah. This is, for some of them, this is like <clears throat> pinnacle, possibly, of their careers. Mm. You know, the Copper America, the Euros, lots of them are going to be focusing on that. Do they want to get injured? Do they want this? We've seen this weekend some players whose presence at these tournaments is threatened because they got injured. I, I wonder, I've noticed every season running into a World Cup or Euros or all these other tournaments, certain players just do not turn up. It's like athletes peaking for the Olympics. Hey, I'll tell you somebody that did turn up, Falcao. Yeah. 15, 16 minutes of Falcao we got. Mm. Didn't, didn't. I was watching him. Hugely and, impressed, um, did he? <laughs> I was, well, it's, I mean, it's difficult to come in for a long time. The, the, the chap called Liam uh, from ESPN who had the misfortune of Liam being sat Simi. next... Yeah, who had the misfortune of being sat next to me for six hours on route to Swansea. He was sat next to me in the press box as well. And um, <laughs> I was just mouthing off about Falcao the whole time because when, when he came on, just watching him, you know, th- there was... And this is talking about Traore and Falcao, for instance, is that Falcao was calling for the ball and asking the ball to be crossed into a certain area and whoever's out wide was doing it and he just wasn't even running across the defender and it's Traore doing it mm. and then you know he'd make the move but he'd make the move like five seconds too late and he was just so off the pace and within about no live in about five minutes of coming on he was on the edge of the D play went up to our end and he was hands on knees huffing and puffing yeah that's for he was teapotting a bit bad? definitely teapotting <laughs> a bit so that was Chelsea's first Premier League defeat since December the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League I mean it doesn't really matter does it as you say I mean but you said we do have something to play for what do we have to play for well we could easily have finished seventh this season right which is a Europa League place poison chalice no it's not that's I think me. it is for next that's, season that's well uh, this is what I wonder whether Conte said do you know what? I'd rather not be. I'd rather not have that Thursday Sunday. I'd rather, which, you know, it's a decision. But you're <sighs> you losing really out on something like fifteen, playing, twenty million pounds. I'm Can we afford to do that? Fifteen, twenty million pounds. I mean, really, in these days, is that a huge amount of money? <laughs> oh, no, I think it is. I've seen your tax is, return, Andy. I mean, well, uh, I mean, in, in Premier League football terms, it? it's half. Uh, you know, it's half a bab of ramen. You know, <laughs> but, but I think in, in in general terms, though, is that I think the mistake Chelsea have always made, and it's credit to them at the same time, is that we've always wanted to win under Abramovich. We've always wanted to win absolutely everything, and I think that's been the culture of the club, and that's affected. Well, the club. if you're in it, you want to win it. Yeah, I think, sure. Was it? Yeah. But they've, they've always, you know, I think that maybe I'm blowing Chelsea's trumpet a bit too much, but I think that. The League Cup, having the renaissance it's had in the last few years, is because of what Mourinho did in his first yeah, I agree term, with that. Yeah. I want to make this a competition to win. And then suddenly United started winning it. Liverpool started taking it seriously. Yeah, Arsenal yeah. did. You know, there was a point where Wenger stopped 
playing all the youth team players and trying to win it. And they, obviously, they still couldn't win it. It got beat by Birmingham. But I was going to say, uh, <laughs> yeah, Obafemi Martin just needs one well. goal. But, um, <laughs> but I think you know, I think Chelsea have always had this desire to go out and win everything because maybe it's a, the chip on the shoulder they've got a point to prove. But I think at the same time, that desire to win everything has, a, has meant that they've not had their eye on you know, the future of it in terms of regenerating the squad properly. Because I, it's I, don't been, know, I don't know well, if I agree look, with that, Gary. Gary. Chelsea, I think you generate a rhythm from that. Okay. From look, that so I think it's always been about keeping the big names things. in there and not... Yeah. Yeah, well, look, Chelsea really... remain tenth in the table on forty-four points, six games left to play, one point behind Liverpool in ninth, but they've got two games in hand. Three points behind Stoke in eighth, six points behind Southampton in seventh, but they've played a game more than us, so it's still possible. So, what would you do? Would you experiment, or would you play the best team? No, oh, I would do. What I always say with these things is there is no point, really. I don't think in playing a load of youngsters. Firstly, it means you don't have any leaders in the team normally, and we don't have. Let's look at the the. The personalities in that, that team that played on Saturday, where was the leadership? Yeah. Where was that yeah. coming from? <coughs> well, Mikel. Uh, cleared. <laughs> he's a lovely fella, yeah. Mikel, but he's not well, a leader. Well, he was the only one that was doing any talking. He, yeah, he does talking, but you know, yeah. it's the, he's not a leader. Um, and the best way to integrate, for me, the best way to integrate youngsters is to give two or three uh, a really good you know, five or six games. But and if you put f- four or five... Are more in the equilibrium of the team is disrupted to such an extent that they don't they're lost yeah. there are no markers for them there's yeah. no pattern to have, you know, that they're fitting into um you know it's, it becomes a maze for them uh, uh, my feeling is and i just think that we, it's difficult because you know we had kennedy and uh, uh, um Traore. zuma right. and and Troy who came in and did zuma was fantastic let's face it and baba rahman's only 21 yeah um and you just look at it and think, it's too many for me. You know, we, we, it's not, we shouldn't be... You're, you're, I think you're quite right, Gary. You're talking about how the club is thinking about how it's perceived. We shouldn't... Just because people talk about uh, young players not coming through, it doesn't mean that you just throw five or six at it's the It's not for the, the sake of it. I, I think that's where you need to get the balance right, isn't it? Don't, that's what I've been preaching. For so, you know, I get tweets at me you know, about... Oh, play all the kids and like you say and you know they'll play the kids and they'll lose and everyone will be upset but I think it's about doing it in the right you want way you playing a winning of, team don't you yeah we, well, we've also what, talked about the kids what Hiddink said I, I said to him on Saturday after I said you know what do you learn what, what, what can these players learn from this and he said well I hope they don't get used to losing exactly you know, and I think maybe there was one or two too many on Saturday but I think the key to it is not so much them having to be in the starting eleven all the time, but coming in, yeah. playing twenty minutes, yeah, exactly. playing thirty minutes, you know, and, and really rotating them around, yeah. giving them that time so they eventually do build up yeah. and that they're getting more they're getting more chances because what you do get is when there's a focus on youth and I know it's been more of a cost cutting measure at Villa, but you get what's happened at Villa. Yeah. Gus Hiddink said, every defeat hurts, but everyone knows the situation we're in, so there's a positive side to bringing in youngsters and seeing what they can do. We defended poorly, gave Sigurdsson a very free chance, we were attacking, attacking, but in the final third, we weren't sharp enough. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's sort of glossing over some of the bigger issues there, but... I just you know. thought it looked like we were coasting to defeat in the second half, yeah. didn't we? Never which felt was, like we were putting no, them under pressure, was, didn't we? That was what I, I felt really dispirited, to be honest, by the, the, by the performance. But, but one thing I'd say, just talking about the youngsters, which is I've been you know, pushing for a long, long time, so I don't want to sound like I'm con- contradicting myself, but it's interesting what you say about the leaders, because um, I was watching uh, Loftus-Cheek, mm. and he's playing at number 10. I don't think he's... Create, I think he's... I really rate him, but I don't think he's a number 10. But... Um, 
there were times when he was getting, getting the numbers. Ball. That's what. That yeah, was but my and he point. was running into cul-de-sacs. Yes, true. And he was turning around. He was looking around. There was no yeah. one there wanting yeah. the ball or asking the ball for the ball. Yeah. So he had this young twenty-year-old thinking, "What the hell do I do with this?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then he was passing yeah. it to Fabregas. There was one really early on, wasn't there, where he got down the line and then looked up, and no one was. Yeah, and he, and he was going to get the ball. And he's thinking, "What do I do?" And he saw, so he saw Cesc and he thought, "Well, I'll just give it to you." Mm. Yeah, and the Fabre- and he passed it the ball, and um, I, I forget who it was. I think it was a striker, just like, absolutely clattered Fabregas. Mm. And Cesc uh, got up after and um, just off the ball said to Ruben, was like, what the hell are you doing? Give me that mm. ball. Because I, and he, Ruben's was like... Hospital ball, was he yeah, saying? Like, yeah, but he's like, no one else is there. No yeah. one was moving. And there was no one there, the leader, to actually step up and be like, give me the ball. I want the ball. And I think mm. for a player of Loftus-Cheek's development, his age and the stage he is of his career, stuff like that can have a, have a damaging impact because they're losing the confidence thinking, I don't want it then. But you know what a lot of people were talking about after the game on Saturday is they can not play like that against Tottenham. No. <laughs> you know, that just well, you said there's nothing left to play that for. That happen. game is massive. It, because the, if, the we can, if we need, can... It needs to be pinned up on the dressing room now. Yeah. You will not lose to Tottenham. Yeah. Because if there's one final horrific... Uh, Codicil. <laughs> poisonous sting in the tail... Yeah. Of this season. Yeah. And it's that lose, at least losing one... our 1990 record to Tottenham. Yeah. They've got to know that it's un- that's not acceptable. No. Yeah. And I think that, that's the one of the, the positives in the season is that no matter how bad we've, we've been, we've still turned over Arsenal pretty convincingly. And then for Tottenham to turn up, you know, what was it, 17 years since they'd lost to you, uh, since they'd beaten United at home, something like that? Yeah. So obviously they, they've ended that record. Yeah. You don't want them to come to us. And, and they're, they're quite a good side. I've got to say, it's a bad league. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. No, it's, it's not great. It's, you know, but Leicester, I, I think Leicester not, not to take too much away from Spurs. They, they, are, they are a good team, and I think that much the energy than, they play with... They're much better than they have been. Pochettino's teams, up to this season, have faded yeah. every year come March. It happened with, it's happened with all of them. But what he's doing now is quite interesting. If you watch how Tottenham play, they take a rest, basically, for 15, 20 minutes of each half. They just do nothing, really. They, if the ball goes up to Harry Kane, you know, fine, he'll... He'll, he'll do something with it. The fullbacks stay back. The midfield stays back. Then after 15, 20 minutes, they go bang. Yeah. Which is what they and did they against United. Them, exactly. And they're measuring... They know the their game management. It's game it's management. Fantastic yeah. game management, yeah. really. Listen, I was looking at the, the loanees that we've got at the moment. Talk about youth and talk about people that you know, yeah. we've got potential for. Todd, Gain, Todd Kane scored his first goal for NEC Nijmegen in a 3-1 well. defeat yeah, against it? Utrecht. Marco Van Hinkle scored his sixth goal He's since joining well, PSV Eindhoven in a 2-0 win against Willem II in the Dutch League. Lewis Baker got an assist. Uh, Dom Solanke played the full 90 minutes as uh, Vitesse Arnhem drew 2-2 with Adio Den Haag. Charlie Masunda continues to impress at Real Betis. They won 1-0 against Levant at the weekend. Christian Atsu making friends at Malaga as they stretch their unbeaten run to five games with a goalless draw against Granada. So the boys are doing well out there. They're getting games. They're getting football. So See Lewis Baker. He's, he had a difficult middle of the season. He wasn't getting in... You know, he, the, he wasn't doing as well and he looked a bit tired in games. He's come back now with quite a vengeance. And he's won. You see, he's got leadership. You see him talking, yeah, yeah. pointing against, you know, with pl- a lot of players who are older than him. He's ordering them about. He's telling people what he wants to do. He's taking responsibility for free kicks and uh, uh, other set plays. He's got the, the, that leadership, Lewis Baker. He has. I, I wonder if he has. who needs to come in next season. And yeah. He's, he's at the, the top end age-wise yeah. of the players that yeah, are coming through. Yeah, kind of Physi- so physicality is an issue with him. I just think he's a bit slight. No, I don't think position. so. I disagree. I, I think, think you look at Izzy Brown, he 
he's still only 18, I think. Yeah. Dom Solanke's only just turned 18. Yeah. So these guys are still young. We can look and think, okay, they've still got a little while to progress. Whereas Lewis Baker's on the other end of that, where, like I say, it's getting to the point of he needs to be given his chance. Yeah. But I think, you know, that <laughs> talking to United and what uh, Van Gaal's tried to, well, he's had to do it with their young players. But I think you look at Jesse Lingard at a similar age to um, Lewis Baker, and I don't think he's a great player. I don't, no, I, don't, I, don't. I don't really rate him too much. But he's actually come in and had an impact in that United team. A poor United team, you know, granted, but I think now Chelsea, they need to be giving players like Lewis Baker that chance. Okay. Uh, don't, well, you, don't you think Man United are uh, showing what Chelsea shouldn't do? Yeah, exactly. They're yeah, a good yeah. template for, for how not to do it, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah quite. Um, let's just talk about youth before we, we wrap things up. Under-18s, on Friday, the under-18s beat Blackburn Rovers 3-1 at Stamford Bridge great, really in good. the second leg of the FA Youth Cup semi-final to win 4-1. Everyone go to the final. Yeah, 4-1 in aggregate. It's and, from last year, isn't it? Yeah, and seal their fifth successive FA Youth Cup final appearance. Goals from Dujon Sterling, Jacob Mag- Maddox and Sammy Abraham. United, wasn't it, in the 50s? Yeah. Busby oh. Babes. There you go. Uh, and then, you know, again, the next day. Why do they do these, the next day games? The next day on Saturday, they beat Fulham 2-0 in the Barclays Premier League Elite Round. Charlie Wakefield had scored the opening goal, and Isaac Christie-Davis were the only two players who'd featured in the previous night's game. The other goal came courtesy of Ika Ugbo. The under-21 suffered their first league defeat on the road this season with a 2-0 loss to Everton last night. Uh, and the under-19s, who we mentioned earlier, which is our European competition squad, travelled to Nyon in Switzerland this week to defend the UEFA Youth League crown. Their semi-final against Anderlecht takes place on Friday with a potential final set for next Monday. So lots of um, good... Monday or Sunday? I can't remember. Uh, Monday, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, it happened last year, didn't it, where they yeah. played Shakhtar and... Izzy Brown came back, was on the bench against QPR and then went and won the game the next day. Yeah, he did. He? You're right. Yeah, so yeah, uh, impressive stuff from the youth. That We wish them the very best of luck. The ladies, there was no game for the ladies this weekend. Their next match is this coming Sunday against Manchester City women in the semi-final of the Women's FA Cup, of which Chelsea ladies City, 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 are the current loanees. And that brings us on, as you say, to our game on uh, Saturday, which is a tea time kickoff against Manchester City. Uh, we will play a good team against Manchester City, won't yeah. we? Yeah, and I think it helps that Costa's back. He's... I'd rather have had him around for the last three games, but um, I, I, I adore Costa. I think for all the issues he brings on, the, I, I still think he's an absolutely brilliant player. He's, he's the most, in my opinion, maybe it's because I'm too emotionally invested in him, but I think he's the most underrated player in the Premier League. Everyone Sorry, talks hold about, on a minute. Have you chucked Matter then? Oh, no. Are you not going out with him anymore? No, it's, Are you now it's, going out it's, with him? It's, so it's, it's these Latin fickle, players. Gary. It's these Latin it's players. But, Do you want this Tiffany? <laughs> Do you want to give it to him? But no, I'm just surprised. Like, no, just, Savor, just, just Costa. He's just, <laughs> I just love everything he brings to that team. Yeah, I love yeah, him as well. He gets a lot of criticism, but... He's I'm, one of those players that if he plays for you, you love him. If, you play, if he doesn't play for you, you yeah, hate him. But I, I just think that you know, he gets some criticism from Chelsea fans, and I think Chelsea fans need to understand what they got, because... He's an exceptional player, and the last three games have shown exactly... Chelsea fans just need to have a word about this individual player blaming. They need to step back and not... Because those ones that were holding up the silly... How can you pick an individual out of Saturday's performance? Well, (laughs) well, there is that. But, you know, holding up the banners and the hazards and the costas, and all these players will come good. They're too good, you know, and you're just going to look like an idiot. And so stop with with the individual player blaming. As far as I understand, he's back in training. Support the team. If it's a terrible team performance, it's a team game. It's a team failure, not an individual failure. You know, and give players a chance for Christ's sake. Let's have some predictions. Uh, Manchester City. Well, I, I think it depends how they do tonight. They got this big game, haven't they? Um, PSG. I think. Uh, look, I hope we win two one two nil. I've got a feeling it'll be a draw. Okay, Gary. I think we're going to win, and I think it's going to be a rubbish game. Um, I'll go two nil. Okay, I'm going to go for a classic goose hitting draw one one. <laughs> um, I think we'll score, and then we'll, yeah. we'll concede. So, do you think, would you rather Man City or PSG won? 
knowing our history it, with, with PSG? Um, <laughs> this is such an unusual season because we have not, no, now we've got very little invested. I mean, you know, we. Well, I'm so, I was so, so upset about Saturday because we could easily have finished in a European place. But anyway, that, that bugbear aside. Um, I th- do you know what? I think I would probably just want City to win. Right. Yeah. I, I, just, I just think, you know, PSG are not that good. And I just think um, purely the, the, the coefficient. Oh, it sounds terrible, doesn't mm-hmm. it? What a spreadsheet. But you also know, I mean, you know, City but... are just going to come up against Madrid or Barcelona oh, exactly. or Bayern Munich anyway. So exactly. it's, it's, it's I, I just think in Europe anyway, I, I know, especially in the days of social media now, as we keep saying, that things get a bit sour, but... I support all the English teams in Europe. I want Liverpool to beat Dortmund on Thursday as well. Oh, you, you really are on your own no, there. No, you no, are really, on your own. No, seriously, I really think we <laughs> should get by the English behind no, the English teams. No, we don't get behind the English no, teams. No, where's, no. The, where's the sense in that, Mr Hayes? <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, no, absolutely no On chance. that bombshell. My, actually, I want Man City to win. Just <laughs> am I ban- so they're, am I they're not, they don't bother about Saturday. They'll have nothing to play for on Saturday. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, guys, thanks so much. As always, brilliant, brilliant. Um, you know, that looked like it was going to be a tough half an hour to fill, and we've, we've gone well over that. So um, thank you very much, and uh, we'll sign off now. And uh, up to Chelsea, and see you soon. Cheers, mate. Au revoir. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.